So it's a matter of finding that balance of stepping into these uncertain environments, knowing it's going to be hard, taking that hit, getting that cortisol blast, pivoting, you're hypersensitive, you're focused, you're ready to make decisions, you're good to go. But then you back off a little bit and get little minor victories along the way so that then when, you know, you, after you've done the work, after you've put those miles in, now comes the payoff. And now you get that nice ebb and flow of all those catacombs. You've got spikes, you've got the, the mitigation to put that down, and now everything's where it's supposed to be. And that's the sweet spot that we need to all seek out. Welcome to the Founders Journey Podcast. I'm Greg Moran. I'm Peter Dean. We're founders who struggle the same way every other founder does. Our goal is to let founders tell their own stories. Part inspiration, part knowledge and learnings from everyday founders to make your journey a bit easier. Hey, welcome back to the Founders Journey Podcast. Today with my co-host, Peter Dean. What's going on, Peter? How are you? How's it going? Doing good. Doing good. Peter's coming from Saratoga Springs and I'm uh, coming from beautiful Livingston, Montana. And we've got a... Um, Got a great guest today who, uh, this is going to be a, a lot of fun, that, uh, that uh, our guest today on the, uh, on the podcast. This, this Jeff, um, Jeff Evans is our guest, so I'll introduce Jeff in a second. But Peter, Peter and I have had this list of guests recently that has made us feel like, uh, we're pretty active guys, but has made us feel like we're, you know, one step above a sloth. And Jeff is, uh, Jeff is definitely at the, uh, at the, at the top of that list to, uh, that has really done some remarkable things, both athletically and uh, in the world of climbing and also in the world of leadership. So really my privilege, uh, my privilege today to, uh, to have Jeff Evans with us. Jeff um, is a guide in the, uh, in the truest sense of the word. He's uh, been at it for about 25 years as an expedition leader and a guide. He's led expeditions around the globe. He's faced incredible challenges. We'll start to get into some of those today. A lot of fun. Um, he is uh, is often alongside of really remarkable individuals like himself, like uh, Eric Weirminer, who I think people probably have seen before or heard of as the uh, I think the only climb at Mount Everest blind. And Jeff was his guide. Um, Jeff's uh, summited Everest. He's been uh, he's been in the intense world of reality TV with Expedition Impossible and. Um, I think most importantly, he's the co-founder and expedition leader for the No Barriers uh, Warriors program, which really supports um, injured uh, injured veterans. So recent years, Jeff has really shifted over um, his, uh, the expedition side is taking him on a real leadership journey. Um, and, uh, and we'll be talking about that today and really his commitment to selfless leadership, teamwork, trust, and adversity management. I think for for startup founders, for leaders, really a remarkable guy. So Jeff, uh, welcome to the podcast. Hi guys. Hey, thanks for having hey. me. Even though Greg and I are, um, I could hit probably like four tee shots to get to his house. You're, uh, <laughs> you're, you're in a different state right now. So, um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah I, I yeah. forgot. I, I know you don't actually include this in your bio, Jeff, but I did forget to mention that Jeff is my, uh, my neighbor. Um, also, <laughs> Which, I have to say that was the biggest, best intro Greg given, <laughs> just, just to date. Why? Because usually that, it sucks. That was definitely the it best sucks. one. <laughs> no, he just. He oh, just good like, job, Greg. That was the Five best stars. one. He's usually like, "Hey, uh, I'll let you introduce yourself." <laughs> well, <laughs> well, he's he's introduced me to probably five or six different audiences. So now he's yeah. got it down. He's done it. A I few have. Times. Yeah, he knows, oh, yeah. You know, he knows the entire CV at this point. So that's yeah. right. That's I was right. there yeah, twice Jeff... for him, so I was lucky that I was invited. Yeah, you Jeff, know, I didn't uh, work for the company. Jeff, what I didn't, what I didn't say in Jeff's uh, in Jeff's presentation is, uh, or Jeff's intro is, he does does a ton of keynote speaking these days on, you know, for a lot of the reasons that we'll be uh, talking about today. And uh, and Jeff has spoken to different companies in our. Uh, the Evergreen Mountain portfolio and in my uh, in my background so, a lot. We um, yep. because just every time it's it's just an amazing experience to people uh, for people to really hear that. So uh, so yeah yeah. And I I think that that'll be that'll be that's just always a nice thing to talk about is everybody generally hears the introduction and they're like oh about climber bro you know like cool little stories about 
you know, this, these harrowing feats and so forth. But the reality is, you know, my job, and if I do my job effectively when it comes to sharing messages and talking is like, hey, you know, these, these, uh, these stories run deep within all of us. And, and it's a part of, it's a part of everyone's journey. And I would, I would even, you know, take it as far as it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not talking about North America, go to, go to Africa, go to, you know, go to Iceland, go to anywhere. And, and it's the human condition and the human condition is, is fraught with, you know, with steep slopes and, and big storms and, uh, you know, gentle, easy, cruisy, trekkie days, followed by getting your ass kicked, followed by waking up and the sun's out, followed by a huge, you know, it's, so it's, it's, uh, you know, that's something I've realized is just connecting the dots over the years is there's just a lot of metaphorical significance to, you know, from, from the things that I've done just because they're fun and things that I've done with people that I thought were cool to, holy shit, you know, this is, this is real life. This is real life. And that's why I think it's really easily, easily digestible for, for folks, you know, thematically. Totally. That, I mean, that, that, the relationship or the parallel between, I think, you know, the expeditions, mountain climbing, things like that. And so much of what, what, you know, the, this podcast is obviously it's, we're focused on company founders, right. Who are on this journey of, you know, so much, I think of the, of, you know, launching a startup and, and navigating through those dark days followed by exactly what you said, right. The days of like, there's the good ones, the, the, the days where you feel like, Hey, I'm actually getting somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Metaphorically, literally, like something is happening. And then you yeah. just get the days yeah. where it's like, you know, somebody just punched you in the fucking head with a, you know, brick in their hand, right? And that's that's the so much of that journey. And I think that parallels um, you know, the that that that's why I love that the stories that you tell really about these expeditions you've been on and the, you know, the climbing of the summits and things like that. But but you know, so much of it is not about, and you talk about this a lot. It's not about the, it's not about the summit, right? It's not about like, hey, can I march my way up to the top of Everest as fast as possible? But it's about that journey, right? No, and it's the, the when I think about that these days, and you, I hear about, um, yeah, you hear about folks that that pay a hundred thousand dollars and go climb Everest, and and uh, you know they they didn't really put the, they didn't do the apprenticeship. They didn't spend the right. decades doing it. And once again, that's just another good metaphor. It's, and those are the people um, that tend to get in a lot of trouble um, because from in, your, in the world that you, you work out with startups and, and, and folks really taking chances, um, you know, I, as, we, as the, the gray hair populates uh, us, with every gray hair comes another experience where we realize, like, I need to do more of that and less of that. And, when you don't have as many gray hairs, right? You, you you tend to make these mistakes. And same thing with climbing is if you haven't put in that, you don't have enough gray hairs. When things go south, you don't really have much to lean on, right? When when it's dark and your hands aren't working and your brain is really just kind of stewed up, and your decision making skills are you know muted in in a lot of ways, what do you have to rely on is instincts and instincts experience and um experience is obviously based on making mistakes right that's what experience really is and and i think that you know i pay a hundred grand go up there make some mistakes and then be like you know i really don't know i don't know how to i don't know how to manage this moment because i've never been in a moment like this before and i feel like there's once again there's a lot of parallels with what you you've done you know I know that there's plenty of stories about, um, you know, startup folks who are in their twenties. And matter of fact, I've met some of them through Matt? you, through you guys and they're successful. Right. And there, there's, there's plenty of stories and, and anecdotal experiences about, uh, guys and gals doing that. But I think you two would probably say and many other folks is that, you know, the, the incidence of success when you're in your twenties and you started out. It's a little bit low, right? But then sure. you start to really sort of figure out the recipe as time goes on, and 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 that falls into that whole metaphor of you know, listen, it, it, we, if we just want to stand on top, you're missing the whole point. You really just you're missing yeah. the entire point of what it means to go knuckle down for a month or six weeks or two months 
to try to do, or in your case, you know, two years, three years, five years to do one thing, you're missing the point. So more importantly, understand that each step creates an opportunity to be better the next step and prepared for when shit goes sideways. How do you coach somebody through that, Jeff? Like, you know, there's, there's always this, I think in the startup world, right? There's always this mindset, especially when you look at like tech startups, you know, of how fast can I make it to the exit, right? How, you know, how quickly can I build this business and somebody's going to come along and give me a big payday. And that's, that's that same metaphor that you really talk about all the time with really the journey is on the flank of the mountain, right? Not, not the summit. How do you dial somebody back from that kind of summit fever, right? Of saying like, no, I'm just going to charge my ass up that mountain as fast yeah. as I possibly can. Well, I could do the whole like get off my lawn like old guy thing and just be like, listen, <laughs> you know, that because I've got an 18 year old, so you know, I know that patience is something you don't have until you, once again, have acquired some 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 yeah. seasoning, um, so to speak. So, you know, I I I don't uh, I, I I and I I was I was just as prone to that I think as any of us were. You just want that instant gratification. You want to be. Um, you want to be in a position of payout. You want that yep. moment uh, that that you've worked hard for to be instantaneous. And and it's cliche to say that you know, like you know that that's once again, it's it's like standing on top of the mountain. How do I coach somebody to do that? There's there's really, um, I think that you know, being a parent can can really show you that you can talk to your blue in the face about being patient and really doing, you know, putting in the hard work and understanding that there will be a payoff, but it won't be sudden. All the good things worth doing suck a little bit, uh-huh. right? That's the, that's the truth of it. Like anything worth doing hurts a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, in many you know, ways. It, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and if it's, if it doesn't hurt a little bit or if it doesn't suck a little bit, then it's probably not worth doing. Right. So, I think that that if I could say to anybody, and I think mountain climbing and all the the hundreds, if not you know thousands of people that I've guided on mountains over the years, have to un- they've all understood that whether by necessity or by by default or just through you know through this process um, is that if you're standing at the base of Mount Everest and you look up at it, um, it's overwhelming and it's hard to imagine standing up there and what it's going to take to get from there it's the whole how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time thing you know it's there's mm-hmm. there's no other way to break it up and i think that if i were to try and and use metaphors as a as a coaching instrument that it would be simply that is that you know i could take a helicopter and i could have someone drop me off on the summit and yeah i'll summit all right you bet but i will be dead Right. I right. mean, I mean, literally like I will, I will die within two minutes and I will, I will achieve this, this summit. And, uh, you know, then, then, uh, I'll come down and I won't have learned anything. So, uh, I spent five years guiding on Denali in the Alaska range and also did two seasons of search and rescue up there for the national park. And I'd summited Denali twice and I, I was doing a uh, cleanup uh, with a helicopter pilot. We we went up and we went up in this pretty dicey little couloir for five days and cleaned up all the fixed ropes and all the crap and brought it down. And we created this huge ball of nylon fixed ropes and gear and crap and stuff that was all up in there. Set it up in a ball, climbed back down. Um, about three days later, we went up with the helicopter pilot and we did a, a, a long line pull in um where he dropped us off and then he picked up with this thing this hydraulic grabber onto the helicopter picked up this ball of crap and then flew it and dropped it back down and then he picked us back he picked me back up at that point i was by myself so you hang underneath 100 feet underneath the helicopter and you're connected on this rope with this thing called the god ring um, because that was it. That was everything. It was you're, <laughs> yeah. you're connected, and it was this big metal circle. It was tied into the rope, and you clip in with a daisy chain. And and he picked me up, and we were flying over this ridge. Me underneath the helicopter, 
over a ridge to go to another spot to move another bit. And I could hear him in the, his name was Dan. And at that point, he was infamous for being the most, ha, uh, having the most hours in a helicopter than any human being on the planet. Because he was in Vietnam and, and the dude was just an absolute unit badass dude. He didn't say much. He didn't talk much. You figure that kind of guy probably doesn't. He does. Right, right? Yeah. Like, he's yeah. that guy. And yeah. so he goes, I think he was like, Evans, how many times you summited this thing? And I was like, um, twice. And he goes, want to make it three? And I was like, okay. And this is while we were flying. So he- So this is while you're gets, hanging a hundred people yeah. over the thing? <laughs> yeah. So then he starts circling and circling and circling and going up in like 20 minutes. And then he goes up and he touches my feet down onto the summit of Denali, onto the helicopter, and then flies away. Wow. <laughs> did I- did I summit Denali three times? No, I only summited twice. So yeah, I touched the top three times, but I only only summited once because yeah, that was a pretty exciting little go. But but I don't count that one, and that's a long way of telling a short story of that doesn't yeah. count, man. You know, like you gotta work, you gotta work, 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 get your ass kicked, you know, put in the work, and and yeah. then and then then there's the payoff. So yep. That's a great story. I've actually never heard tell that before. So if, you know, if you think about, you know, through all the stuff you've done, right, all the adventures you've been on, I mean, what is that? Is there one thing, is there one moment that you can point back to and say, like, this is the thing that really influenced me more than, or really, if you think about it now, influenced your approach to leadership and guiding others in, a, in the context you do it now? Um, when, before you answer that, I want to tell you this funny story because I've listened to you twice. And then I was at FedEx corporate light before I did the startup stuff. And there's this leadership thing we were doing and they, they put me with, we were got partnered up and I had to walk someone around that was blindfolded, take them to lunch and then come back. And I just laughed because that was an exercise they did to me, but you, you did this, <laughs> your exercise was a lot. And I just hey, thought it was so ironic. Right, so look, Peter, it's not really that much to, different. Right? You had to think of thing. blindfolds. <laughs> hey, I, mean, I had had a very once. similar experience to Jeff. I had, there, was, there was always like two or three of us, and we would always have to Rochambeau to see who would go shit the blind guy. Right? So, like, we needed to, you know, we'd be in a tent. Like, who who's going to, you know, go out and shit the blind guy? So we'd Rochambeau, and the loser had to be like, well, sometimes stick your, you know, stick your head out and be like, laugh, laugh. Right, right, right. Okay, right there. Right there is good. Or, oh, my God. Or otherwise walking. So it's really not that different, Peter. It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> same thing, man. In 2018, that was part of the curriculum. All right. Well, did you did, you probably did the Franklin Covey thing. Did you do the Franklin yeah. Covey? Yeah. yeah. It's exactly yeah. what it was. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Peter's Peter's equally harrowing story to, to not Yeah. <laughs> Back to my original question. Yeah. What, you know, what, I mean, is there a moment where that, you know, you think really influenced your approach? What do you think about leadership today? God, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't really think of a moment or an event uh, because it was, you know, it was just such a very similar to the spirit of what we're talking about now is um, it was just this collection of, uh, you know, different events um, that, that sort of coalesced into me learning. Uh, and sort of piecing it together, you know, like understanding that there was this mosaic of of events that that really started to define who I was, both personally and professionally. And I think that that, that there, there, I would love to be able to tell you there was this one shining moment when it all just sort of galvanized right then. But I mean, this was decades, decades of being responsible for people's lives. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a, that's a lot to, you know, even now I think, I think about all the, 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 the times when I easily could have and probably should have killed somebody, you know, um, yeah. you know, very, very easily, like yeah. dozens and dozens of times of making mistakes and people's lives are, are really at, you know, up in, up in limbo and not in that a moment because of my decision-making. Yep. There was, there was an event though, that 
underscored that, I think, uh, and I think showcased to me, uh, you know, how profound my decision making was and and how much of an impact it had. So one time I was uh, I guided Kilimanjaro, I think, 13 times or something like that. And one of the times um, we were doing a, a summit night up a little route that a little bit sportier than than the normal route. It goes up some rock bands and up some little ramps and stuff. And there's some scrambling, you know, like fourth class scrambling. It's it uh, you don't you don't want to fall. Um, but we're not using ropes. I mean, it's still like fourth class. And uh, and my African buddy was up in front of my group, and there was a group of Germans that were were. Uh, they had been practicing on the ice that day and they had crampons and ice axes and all kinds of stuff. And, and we were, I was thinking to myself, like, what are these Jamokes doing? They're Germans, right? They're Germans, of course. Like, <laughs> sorry. I mean, I'm sorry, but, um, not really. So they, uh, you know, they were doing all their work and, and I'm like, these guys. and so that night, sure enough, we got behind them and my African buddy started following. Well, they were, they were going to climb something icy and we were right behind them. And before I knew it, we were traversing this, this slope, snowy slope that was hundreds of feet, foot, uh, dropped down where if you fell, you would, you were, you'd have been, you know, pulverized and dead within, you know, the first few flips. And so I was like, we're off route. I knew it. I was like, with this, cause I'd done it once before. I said, we're, this is not where we should be right now, but we committed to it and went across. And then we kept following and kept following and then we came up to another ramp and it was another big consequential section where literally my clients were like using their hands to hold on to the ice with no crampons like traversing across i mean anybody could have and i'll tell you man i that at night ended up being okay no one felt that easily someone could have fallen no there's no unbelievable it's unbelievable that no one fell and died that night and i got down with them, you know, whatever, 10, 12 hours later. And I just was so, uh, humbled, um, by my mistakes because it wasn't, it wasn't that my buddy followed them. It, it was me. It was, I was the leader. I was the person who ultimately made the decisions and it was going to fall on my shoulders and I needed to be responsible for that. And man, I was just uncontrollably crying. I just couldn't help this. You know, my, my emotions were just I was so humbled and and sad, but yet still happy and grateful that nothing had happened. And and I'll tell you, man, I I still to this moment like think of that night and just am so overwhelmed by the 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 my clients accepting my apology. Um, and also, I don't think they realized. So I mean, we talked <laughs> talked to a few of them since then, but like, yeah, shit was real, man. And and uh, yeah. You know, I, I just, for them to, 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 uh, you know, to, to forgive me and for me to sort of roll through that process, that was one of the biggest learning opportunities for me, uh, as a leader, um, Uh and, and realizing that so many different uh, pieces and decision-making, even the butterfly effect for one decision that can be made here is going to greatly impact the trajectory of this project, of this climb, of this, of this investment, of, of, you know, of this startup, of, of what, of what we're trying to do. So you, instead of living in fear of what could result from decision-making, understanding that each action has consequences and there is therefore the methodology and the practice and the insight and the experience and the rational decision-making and the relationships that you can learn from every single juncture and consulting with folks to say, you know, what is your take on, on this, on this decision that I'm about to make right here to go right instead Mm -hmm. of go up? Like, what is your take on that coming together, communicating? And then therefore all of these great expeditionary mindset characteristics really start to come into play. Do I trust the people that are out in front of me right now who I have delegated to be my lieutenant, mm-hmm. right? Which is what you have to do in your world, right? Like I, I can't do it all. 
I cannot do right. it all. I can't be expected to do it all. But yet it all falls on my shoulder, right? Because I'm the one making the big time decisions. So if I've got to entrust my lieutenant, my lieutenant's going to make mistakes too. I'm going to make mistakes. So do I need to bring this person back? Do I need to consult at this juncture before we even step off? Am I really clear on what our path looks like? Am I really clear on what the summit looks like? What our time frame looks like? What our mitigation strategies look like? Am I really clear on that? And if have I communicated that effectively? And I think metaphorically that night really reinforced a lot of that to me. Um, and that I made those mistakes, which amplified, you know, like what I'm, how to not do it. <laughs> yeah. I think is, is the yeah. answer, how to not do it and then be grateful for when I do get it right every once in a while. That's, you know, and, and it's so, it's such an interesting, uh, you know, story too, right? Because w that point you make at the end of, you know, of it reinforced it by what not to do, right? We, you know, so much of, so much of whether it's expeditions or it's startups or, you know, the, the, these kind of journeys we get ourselves onto, we're all flying blind, right? And we're all going to just have those moments of just real uncertainty, like you said, shit gets really real. And I think, you know, to me, what, what always separates the the great founder, the great startup leader from others is their ability to then self-analyze, right? I mean, that obviously that, that had a big emotional effect on you to say, but that, that was that self-analysis to say, you know, a lot of people would say at that point, like, great, we made it out. That was you know, kind of laugh it off and be on to the next thing. But the, but the ability to really look at that situation for what it was and say, this was legitimately a near-death experience for a lot of people. And then the Easy. startup world, it's, you know, that near-death experience is maybe the startup time, right? But but to be able to kind of analyze that and say, what lessons can I take away from this so I don't end up doing the same exact thing again, right? And I think that yeah. so much of that, it just separates the great leader, you know, whether in, in, in any facet from, you know, the other person, the ability yeah, to just Yeah, you know, really... in the military, they all, there's, always, there's always an AAR, after action report, right? Yeah. So it's like you go on any yeah. mission, you come back and you do an AAR. And so a lot of the work that we've done with our uh, our service members, you know, in, our, in the Warriors program is we always have an intake, we'll have a prep in anticipation of stepping off. And then we go through very clearly, this is what the objective looks like. These are the parameters. This is what success of the mission is going to look like. And then you come back down and then have the AAR and discuss what that looks like in conjunction with before you stepped off. How different is it? Right. I mean, it's never yep. the carbon copy, right? Very, right. It, it never goes the way you plan it. So yeah. I think if you do enough of those and you see, you know, what the what the what the comparison is between those those two, the pre and the post. I think you learn a lot about the process um, yep. when you when you're able to to really compare the pre and the post, and I, it's it's critical to do that. So a non-reflective leader is not an effective leader. You know, right. oh, I just made that shit up. That was good. <laughs> I think you got to tweet that or something. Right here. No, we'll, yeah, we'll put it. I like it. Definitely <laughs> pull that. Show notes. Yeah, that's right. We'll yeah. put that in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. The uh, you know you talk a lot about. And I think you just wrote a new book on this about the VUCA framework, right? Exactly. And, you know, around just managing adversity when you're just in that uncertainty, the complexity, the, the, just the, the unknowns, right? And that, you know, a lot of what you just talked about with, um, you know, with the, with the climb up Kilimanjaro is the same thing. Like, how do you, you know, just explain the VUCA framework that you talk about, first of all. Let, let me just make a parallel to, to startups and people starting companies and founders, just so that they understand, because Greg and I have been doing this for a while. So I'm going to an event in the next two days, and you read the speaker notes of this person, and they're like super successful, and having the privilege, but also like we go in and we work with companies that are in a state of growth and trying to grow. From the outside, it looks like, wow, this is amazing. It's, everything's gray. It's sunny. There's like clear skies. But when you get in these companies, there's so much like shit going on and stuff that they don't talk. Like we don't talk about that stuff. And a founder could be sitting there thinking like this, yeah. I, my company is really apt right now. It's all messed up. It's like 
But no, that's actually how it works. And this is normal to be in that state to solve and go through that adversity to find some solution for a market. And people don't realize that. They think, oh, it's just me. I think I messed up. I'm not doing it right. But everything else looks good from the outside. That's the connection to kind of what you're going to talk about. Like, because no matter what you do, you're in some state of that. Yeah. And the well, shiny board report looks a little different sometimes. Right? Once right. again, get off my lawn, old guy right here, but I'm going to say this is because <laughs> once yeah. again, I have an 18 year old and I know. So, so when you, when, when this, when I'm not sure what the, the incoming workforce generation is called, what their, yeah. what the verbiage is called, but you know, folks who are just coming into the workforce, they are imprinted with social media and social media is always reinforcing that that person's got it figured out and that person and that person and that person. And the presentation is that, you know, I've got it dialed, man. My life is just great. Everything's, but then in the reality, we are all flawed and we're all broken Yeah, and we've all got fractures and lacerations. And it's just a matter of whether you address those before they become, um, you know, irreparable or they become massive scars that are going to have a hard time uh, releasing at some point. Or if you're honest with the people around you and accept and know and acknowledge the fact that through this brokenness, through this, through these uh, places that we all operate in, and I know you, I see you, and we're in this together, and we're not going to have it all figured out. Let's just acknowledge that, but let's understand just like a good marriage, a good partnership, you know, it's like, this is, we're going to, isn't that right? My wife is right here. So I can, yeah, isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. Just as we go through, you go through the brokenness to be able and, and acknowledge it and, and don't push it away. It is what it is. And now we've learned from it and now we, 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 we move on. I think that that's, that's something else that you, you learn through, through agent experiences. So I'm, I'm a little concerned. Uh, and and would want to really get in the ear of you know the incoming workforce to your point, Peter, and and just say, listen, you know these these uh, these perceptions that we have, or this portrayal that I think a lot of folks have, whether in in whatever facet it is, is always uh, perhaps best foot forward and not the true representation, and that's okay. That is okay, man. Like we need to know that it is okay to be flawed and we need to know that it is okay to start and, and stop and pause and hesitate and reevaluate and not get it perfect every single uh, step that we take. We're going to trip, we're going to fall. And so Greg, to your point about the whole VUCA concept, um, you know, VUCA stands for or it's an acronym, uh, stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. And um, I did some medical missions, all kind of stacked where I was, I was kind of put in some really volatile situations, like for a, a, a strong period. I electively chose to go do these things. And, and whether I was, you know, in a helicopter, you know, in the Himalayas or in a combat theater and in Mosul, Iraq, you know, there was undoubtedly like lots of moving parts, lots of, of variables that changed. And then the variable would change and then the variable of the changed variable would change all within just a, a split second. And um, I like that. I thrive in that. And I feel like a lot of people who would listen to your, to your podcast, you're probably thrive in that environment. Um, but we need to be prepared to be able to uh, manage the uh, effects of that. So here's one thing that I think of. Some of us, including you and probably many of your listeners, we, we look for challenges, right? We like, we like challenges. We like things that are tough, that aren't guaranteed. Um, but what we need to be careful of is living in that environment for too long, right? Because um, from a hormonal perspective, we get these catecholamines, right? Which flood through our body all the time. Um, and you know, things like, um, cortisol, which is very beneficial in the short term, it kept us from getting eaten by lions and saber toothed tigers and shit like that. Back in the day, we get these spikes of, of, of cortisol, you know, fight or flight. Like we, 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 we stay alive or we get dead. 
So cortisol, good short term, but for those of us who seek out these sort of spooky environments or challenging environments, we can have this ebb and flow, this like smoldering cortisol uh-huh. catecholamine, and boy, that's not good, right? So we yeah. have to be careful to pump the brakes on those of us who love to go into these volatile environments. That's what I've found is that for years, I just had to be scared. I just needed right. to be scared a lot. I need to be challenged a lot. And so there was this constant state of cortisol. Well, now what I like to do is sort of, I'm going to be in control of the cortisol, right? So those volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous environments, I still like those things. I still want to go into those things. Uh, and I like being at the mercy of the environment around me um, so that I can then pivot and make decisions to keep me alive. Now realize that I also like dopamine and serotonin too. Those catecholamines feel pretty good as well, right? Uh-huh. So I like to be rewarded, and I think we all do. And that's to your point, Greg, is like, oh, you want to fight really hard and then all of a sudden get that payoff, and then you get that dopamine hit. Look what we did. And you're not really getting those cortisol blasts. You're not being challenged enough. So now it's just the payoff. No, that's not where it's at. So it's a matter of finding that balance of stepping into these uncertain environments, knowing it's going to be hard, taking that hit, getting that cortisol blast, pivoting, you're hypersensitive, you're focused, you're ready to make decisions, you're good to go. But then you back off a little bit and get little minor victories along the way. So that then when, you know, after you've done the work, after you've put those miles in, now comes the payoff. And now you get that nice ebb and flow of all those catacombs. You've got spikes. You've got the the mitigation to put that down, and now everything's where it's supposed to be, and that's the sweet spot that we need to all seek out. Yep. And so, so are you talking about like you need like those those milestones to get that big payoff need to be something that is a, you sitting back and saying that is a success, like we did it, so like we have to feel like we made it, not yeah. just waiting for this big you know summit exactly. So to speak, and what you're so- saying, like. Yeah. So for instance, like a day in the mountains, like, you know, we're yeah. not going to, we're not going to look at the summit today. You know what our goal is today is to get to this point and then to get to this point and then to get to camp. That's right. our success. That's be like, we're, we're there. We got there. That's a good thing. Yeah. Be, be proud of it. Right. I just had a, uh, I had a pre-event call with uh, some folks I'm doing an event for next week um, in the mortgage industry business. And they, they be, they've been having a hard time, right? Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. interest rates are crazy hard right now. It's a tough place to live. And so we talked about this exact topic the, the, this morning was, you know, listen, right now they're in the storm, but they know it was Fat Tuesday like last year, two years ago. Yeah. They were just right. like, woo Now, oh, oh, man, okay, now this is – so now what do you do? How do you balance out the the really uh, – the, the pretty – sunk in moment that we're in right now understanding where you've been understanding where you're gonna go but still hanging on right now and we i didn't talk about the catecholamine thing but that's really it it's like finding finding that that balance of the success the small successes that get to camp two get to camp three and then if you piece enough a lot enough of those along now we're where we need to be and now the yeah. summit's in sight now the, the storm is cleared a bit and yeah. now here we are. So it's a, it's a matter of finding that that sweet Goldilocks zone, right? That that ties back to what you were saying before about the you touched Denali Summit, but you didn't really do it because you need all of those steps to get to there to make it real yeah. and make that experience valuable. Yeah. Because it's not just about the exit. It's about the learnings to get to that exit because that's the journey we're on. And if you're not on that journey, you're never going to make it. Like no. you, you won't make it to the first camp if you're trying. If you're, if your only thing you care about is being on the top. Yeah, it's such a big you message know? for especially for younger folks that are coming into the workforce. Like, listen, it's it is not that. It is not that. That's the piece no. of advice. Would be like we. You have to be able to. To, to put those miles in, to step across this terrain and to trip and fall and to have storms come and go before you can really truly find that sweet zone that you need to find. And and you will appreciate that that summit 
you know, in a, in a far more profound way once you get there, yeah. assuming you're willing to make, put those miles in to get to that point. Want to um, just in our in our kind of remaining minutes here, Jeff. I want to talk a little bit about. It. I think it's you know I've heard you talk about teamwork, communication so much, right? And the concept yeah. of the rope line, right? And um, you know, and and that that concept of of kind of tying into each other as a team, right? And it's something that's obviously part of climbing, but. Um, but I think you know when you're looking at a startup, one of the one of the things I think that you, you see founders, some founders, not all, struggle with is that concept of you know they're tying off to people, but that rope line looks a lot more like one guy at the front and a bunch of people just getting dragged behind them, yeah, right? Yeah. And you know, talk, yeah. can you talk about that concept? That's a not bit? leadership, right? No, no. It's just yeah. it's just one guy brute forcing his way through, right? And you're, you're, you're um, not going to make it, right? Can you you know talk about that concept a little bit of the? All right. So so I'll, first I'll start with a, with a caveat with that. There have been times when it has been full blown storm, barely able to see, and I've got three people on my rope, and I'm having to go into the storm and lead the way. Yeah, right. Because everybody else has cowered down and just kind of following that rope. So there yep. are times Absolutely. when, as a leader, yeah. that is necessary. I can count dozens of times where that's happened, where everybody's like, "What?" The? And I'm like, knuckling down because I know, I know where that is, and yep. I know that we have to go forward. There have been yeah. other times when I've had to say, in spite of what my clients want, we are retreating right now, and we're going to go back and lick our wounds and move forward. So, but otherwise, that's the one caveat with that. Yep. So, yep. So, um, and that that's, once again, that's actually a really important thing because what you said has to happen in business too. Like sometimes right. you just have to do that yep. because there's that chaos level is so high, right? Yep. And then we got to get through, and someone's got to take it and and do that. Well, right. And there's that's only why one I person to, in front. That's why I wanted to put that metaphorically in yeah. there. Is that that you know it's it's not always like hey bro how are you feeling how are you doing like right. that's really yeah. good that's important but there yeah. are times and i've had it happen many times where i'm just like we're not going down and we're going and i'm going to show you yeah. the way and this yeah. is the way to do it right so that aside there is definitely uh more times than that there are plenty of situations where if that that will not work that if that that approach will not work because right. Um, you know, I think that, that for, let me just break it down once again, um, metaphorically when, when you're on a rope and you're clipped into a rope, you know, the, the tension of the rope is paramount. So the tension between each person and then the, the rope team as a whole. And so if the rope is too tight, you're, you're pulling and you're yanking and then if it's too loose, then you're stepping on the rope. And if someone falls, then everybody accelerates and it's really bad you get yanked off your feet and it's you know it's all bad so what has to happen from a metaphorical perspective and you know a real life perspective on the rope is it has to move along just at the right trajectory so that takes bandwidth that takes effort that takes each person being cognizant of the other pace of the other people the other pace of the other people on the rope and checking in with them. You good? Yep, you're good. Okay, we're moving. Do we need to stop? We recalibrate? Yes. Okay. Well, then, you know, now are we ready? Yes. And that just happened to me, you know, a few weeks ago in Ecuador. I had uh, a bunch of, of people who'd never been on a rope. Um, matter of fact, all of them, <laughs> slash, none of them had ever been on a rope. Just for the record, those are a bunch of high school kids, right? Yeah, mostly in some parent, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so it was like it was a bit of a a, uh, a rite of passage trip that yeah. I led for my son, who was just walking around back here. He's a senior in high school here, and him and his some of some of his best buds, um, who I just feel like such an old guy. But once again, I feel like young kids they don't. There's not enough adversity, right? Like I wanted right. them to to feel the fear of a summit night. I wanted them to feel the uncertainty of a summit night, the darkness, the cold, the scariness, the anticipation of who am I going to be able to do this? That's, that's heavy shit. That is really, I think mission critical, um, for all of us, um, and whatever we do. And so I, yeah, I took them on this trip and, and, uh, 
none of these people had ever had crampons or been on a rope before. And, and so it's a crash course in training, prepping. I like, this is what this is going to look like and feel like, but then you, you can prep people all day and then you get up on the side of the hill and that's when things get real. And so that a month ago, here we are, I'd never climbed this mountain before. Interestingly enough, but I, you know, my, my Ecuadorian guides, they had downloaded me and compared it to some other mountains that we'd done together. And so, but I was the first person going on the, on all these different rope teams. I was the first person going up through this little channel. And I, I, um, I was like, it was quite spicy, like <laughs> a little bit spicier than I thought. Like it was a, a good, you know, 10 to 15 feet of like 70 degree snow. Yeah. And, uh, and I got up in there. I'm like, damn, it was almost <laughs> a little bit of the Kilimanjaro dynamic. Yeah. Got all these kids with me, you know? And, and so that was one of those turn around and say, you know, listen, this is a, don't, don't fuck the dog situation here. <laughs> Let's, we've got to be on point. And if I ever need anything from you right now, it's me asking you step into this moment and be very in tune with every step and every movement you make. And they all did it. They all did it. Everybody. It was like, you know, it was, I don't know how many people we had, like 16 people or something, you know, like everybody got up more importantly, but he got back down and went mm-hmm. down through that little channel and made it and were safe. And it was just such a cool uh, feedback for me to see you can put people in situations and generally most people will step into that moment. If you really reinforce as a leader, like I need the most from you right now. Right. I need everything from you right at this moment. I need every single thing that you do to be centered into this moment because this is the critical moment. And I'm not going to ask this, you know, this isn't a cortisol slam. We're not going to do this for days and weeks and months and years. This is right now. Let's just knuckle down right now, put it all into this moment, and then we'll get it out and we can cruise this a little bit before we have to knuckle down again, just to our point you're talking about. Yeah. Only that, like, redline it, and then let's go down to pink, and then let's redline it, and then let's go down to green, and let's cruise. So it's finding those pieces of balance, and I think the kids really did that last month. That's that's awesome. It you know I think one of the one of the biggest um, challenges I think you see in founders because the founder personality is probably very much like you know, knowing you and others kind of like you and me and Peter and um, the founder personality has a hard time with it, right it's because it's just it's all go right it's like slam the gas down. And just leave it down, right? And trying to trying to remind a founder, and I and I, I'm the worst with this, right? I'm like <laughs> biggest pull. Trying to, which is why probably why Peter's laughing right now, because, um, but tr- trying to remind myself or any other founder that you gotta back off, right? You you have there are moments where you've got to put it all on the line, like you said. But in order for that to work. There actually have to be more moments that aren't life or death, right? And you've got to be able to kind of get that calibration right because if you if your expectation is that everybody is redlined at all moments, it's 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 just the recipe for burnout, right? It's well, no, then it's it's what's happening in healthcare right now. You know, I speak to a lot of healthcare groups, and and uh, you know, I I I just there it is universal unequivocal like burnout and it's because leadership within these these organizations in these industries such as healthcare is they're they're not understanding that that part that part of listen we go hard and then we we can't we can't maintain this unsustainable version of what healthcare is right now and healthcare is broken in the united states right it's right absolutely broken it needs to be just basically just dismantled and start over again but yep. I just feel for the people, the PAs and the docs and the nurses that are just getting slammed and the administration administrators have no sense of what we're talking about right here, which is, right. it's okay. We all want to work hard. There's periods where we have to just absolutely pin it to the wall and those shifts are hard. And it is, we signed up for that. You know, you got 20 people in the waiting room. It is what it is. But then there's got to be some times when you don't have that, right? Where it's right. like, you need to be able to enjoy 
and coming in to work and doing your job and not just feeling stressed all the time. That's not sustainable for ourselves and our and our sort of how we operate. It's not. I mean, I'm sure some people think that I just want to go, go, go. Well, <laughs> no, you, good luck, man. You're going to flame out, guarantee it 100%, not 99, 100%. You're going to flame right. out. Yeah. Right. So, um, I don't know. It's, I, I see and hear that now in healthcare, particularly. It's true. I mean, in, in, in our streets, there's this unwritten, I don't know if it still exists, but there used to be this unwritten rule that like you just had to work so hard and so many hours and like dial. And like the only, I think the only way you can make it is if you don't do that. Right. If you're doing right. like weekends every weekend and you're for like two years, you just, you're human. It's not going to work. Like you're, you're going to fail. If you, if you take your weekend off and ditch the phone, don't look at email and do all that stuff, then you can make it right. Yeah. You can it's, make it. But see, finding right? that, that recipe now it's hard though. Right. Because yeah. like all we see is the David Goggins being like, go on, you got to slam yourself every guy, you know, like just raging with testosterone and, and but and cool that's great and i know that that can work for some demographics but at certain you know, times though it, you at know, certain times yeah yeah but it's a matter yeah. of finding that balance and believe me I, I i feel like there's just as we've said there's starts and stops there's realizing like you're finding in your 20s i think maybe even in your teens but in your 20s particularly where that place is like i could go really yeah. hard for a few days to a few weeks to a few months maybe even a year if i have to knowing that that time is going to provide me the opportunity to learn enough to be able to appreciate that summit. So I, and, but then, yeah, as you, as you go through that journey, that lifelong summit, you know, you get older and the, into the further decades and you realize like, Oh, okay, well, you know, now it's now I really do need to take care of myself, every part of myself, because otherwise I'm not going to be an effective leader. Yeah. I had, yeah. A, I had a friend who was part of a really kind of epic startup finished um but he used to go on these like he's like all out for like months you know product release whatever it was he was hammering and then i lived in san francisco at the time he would ditch to my house not tell anyone where he was turn everything off he's like let's go hiking man so we go hike and eat sushi and do all the stuff in california it was a lot of fun people were like where is he he's like off the grid they can't find him they start texting me they know yeah, he's I'm on like, some high. He's I'm on like, some no, Iowa he's here, journey in San Francisco <laughs> with you sweating a lot. Here, man. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, go <laughs> tell him. Like he was totally not there, and then he'd be like sleeping in, and he, you could just see him totally recharged. And then he'd be like, "All right, dude, I'm back. I'm out." And right before I get the plane, boom, his phone. He's like, he's like, yeah, you couldn't like talk to him again. You're like, okay, I see you in the zone, man. I'll catch you on the next. Peter, side. did it? Did it? Did it make you feel bad at all that, like, for this hard-charging, hardcore guy, you were the guy just to drink beer and eat sushi with? It's like, you weren't the yeah, guy I to, like, care. Well, just, I don't like, want to go on a mission with him. I just want to, I just want to drink beer and eat sushi. With him. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I was an investor, so I was happy with the outcome. But, <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, but, I, I, you know, he was a friend for life for me, you know, I Absolutely. grew up with him. So, he was like, we'd, like, ditch at my house. Yep. And just That's be like... Awesome. People like what the hell were like people would call. They'd be texting me going, "Is Gilfus there?" I'm like, "No, he's not here." <laughs> yeah, he's here, man. That's right. I can't um, tell you. So I think we're pretty much on, out of time here. But Jeff, just to kind of wrap things up, um, what's what's next? You got a couple books out. Um, what's kind of what are the next adventures? What are the next projects looking like for you? Here? You know, I I uh, I I realized. Um, just in the past couple of years that I, I continue, I continue to have this, this really, I think, um, worthwhile and fruitful syndrome of coming off of one thing and immediately having the next thing planned, right? Uh, because as soon as we got down from Everest, it's, it's immediately like, what's next? Wait a minute. What's, what do you mean? What's next? I just took a blind dude to the top of the biggest mountain in the world. Chill out, pump the brakes, bro. I want to like, <laughs> I want to hang out on a beach in Thailand for a few days, but yeah. that's, you know, that's always been the the case. And I've, I've enjoyed that because I think what, once you get done with a big startup, like what somebody's going to be like, okay, cool to your buddy. Like what's, what's next? Cause 
people that, and that's, it's a privilege to be asked that question, right? It is. Yeah. It's yeah. just like having sure. pressure when people, when you feel pressure, that's a privilege because that means people expect something from you because you've done stuff like, oh, you've done something. So what's next? Well, uh, what I realized is that I'm okay with, with sort of coming down from something and chilling a little bit. And, yep. and you know, there's, there's, uh, I've, I've got like five pages of open on my browser on my phone of peaks, um, that I want to climb, um, that, and, you know, are very, they only make that list if they're pretty hard to get to. Yeah. Uh, and there would be a little bit of adventure, not crazy, not 8,000 meter peak, not 7,000 yeah. meter peaks, 6,000 meter peaks that are just a little more obscure that you've never heard of before. Um, those are the kind of things that really sort of interest me while I still am holding on just to a little bit of cartilage, uh, in my knees, you know, <laughs> the connective tissue is still, um, what it needs to be to be able to go do stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, my kid's 18 is in his senior year. So it's like, it's hard to imagine wanting to, you know, be gone at all anytime between now and when he graduates and then. And then, uh, then the empty nester thing sets in and, and I know that you guys know what that's like. And, you know, I'm, I think that I'm, the wife and I are really pretty excited about that. Maybe we're just saying that to be able to mitigate the sort of, oh my God, our only child is gone kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but I think that, that I'm okay with not having the next big thing right in front of me right there now. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's, that's a good perspective to have. I wish, yeah. uh. I wish I had uh, gotten that advice from you, and my my ten day retirement was uh, yeah we short lived right yeah yeah I'm short lived I think I told you Jeff when uh, yeah you did yeah. you had said like I think I had said yeah I sold the company and I'm retiring and I think it was like a week and a half later you said what are you doing I said oh, I'll start you know whatever so yeah yeah <laughs> it didn't take Peter uh, yeah Peter advised me against it I think you advised me against it yeah then someday that's advice on well. I'll Idle hands are the devil's work, so you just got to always kind of have something, but it, it doesn't have to be, here's the bow on it. It doesn't have to be riddled with cortisol. It can be a nice objective that can be like good hard objective, but not absolutely like, you know, hit you over the head with a bat every day. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of more. Absolutely. Yeah. Jeff, how, how can people reach you if they want, uh, you know, I get Jeff has spoken to a bunch of our companies, incredible keynote speaker, um, incredible guy to have around your uh, your business on these concepts of um, the expeditionary mindset, leadership, uh, servant leadership, things like that. How, how do people reach you? Well, most people reach out just be like the dude that guided the blind dude up Everest. That's that'll lead. That'll go straight at me. Um, but my my website is Jeff B as in Brian Evans and. Yeah, all you need is there, and and uh, yeah, I love. So that that's I I really enjoy. As you can tell, I take up every minute of your sixty minutes. We're fifty nine minutes now. I love to talk about these topics and really enjoy connecting dots because it's so. I think can be if it's if it's presented well, it's always exciting stuff, but then really like meaningful and and, and relevant uh, content for folks. Yeah, we um, just a real quick plug here. Um, you know, we, we had Jeff come in and speak at my previous company a couple of times. Um, and the first time he ever came in, Peter, you were there. Um, yeah. You know, blew everybody away. And, you know, the, the, the parallels here, you know, are, I'm not a big guy when it comes to like sports to business parallels. I think stuff is just really overdone a lot, but this, this is just perfect. What are you talking about climbing and that expeditionary mindset? as it relates to a startup. And we literally revamped our entire culture of the business around um, that really came out of Jeff coming in as a, as a keynote speaker, which I, you know, I attribute so much of the success of that business just to what that did for the, you know, this, we, we sort of framed company name was outmatch and we, we framed everything around this concept of expedition outmatch to be, you know, everybody in the company was on their own expedition, right? Whatever that meant to them. Yeah. And it became such a powerful thing within the culture of that business that, um, you know, it was really profound what it did for the business. So, um, as, so someone, yeah. as someone who is on the side of that, um, it was so true that the culture was probably the best I've seen in company uh, in a long time. And those are the ones that are successful. And obviously that 
was a big piece of what you guys did. Yep. That was the culmination. That meeting was like really pushing over. Yep. It's really cool to watch. Yeah. Well, thanks guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.